Welcome back to episode 11 of Living in Infinity. Um, we got uh, um, a good list of topics for this one, but I think we're going to start with Twitter's rebrand to X. So, Valak, you want to kick us off with that? Yeah, um, lots of controversy, I guess, on this topic on on Twitter. Lots of people hate the rebrand. A lot of people love it. Um, personally, I'm a bit somewhere in the middle, but basically now that Elon has acquired Twitter and they're starting to make a lot of changes to the platform, um, he's begun the transition of completely ditching the Twitter brand and adopting the new X brand. Um, and just to quote what he has said specifically for the logic behind this, um, he tweeted out, Twitter was acquired by X Corp both to ensure freedom of speech and as an accelerant for X, the everything app. This is not simply a company renaming itself, but doing the same thing. The Twitter name made sense when it was just 140 characters going back and forth like birds tweeting, but now you can post almost anything, including several hours of video. In the months to come, we will add comprehensive communications and the ability to conduct your entire financial world. The Twitter name does not make sense in that context, so we must bid adieu to the bird. Um, and I generally ag agree with that logic. Like, I don't think the Twitter brand makes sense for what he's wanting to build with the X app. Um, and just to give some background on this too, X has been Elon's plan at, for, for like 20 years, basically. Um, originally with PayPal, or PayPal started out as X.com. Um, and they, they uh, got acquired and merged with another company and they rebranded everything to PayPal. But the original plan for X.com was basically to be able to provide every kind of financial service that you would need within one company. So anything from like peer-to-peer -peer payments, like sending money to your friends, to getting loans, to banking, mortgages, literally everything just wrapped up into one financial company that's just easily accessible on on your phone or computer um and so he's always had this plan and never really got around to doing it because of the new the new paypal management kind of adopted a new uh, plan for what they wanted to do with the company but now that he's acquired twitter and also acquired a massive user base along with that like 500 600 million people um that's kind of his way of accelerating adoption for the the everything app. And so my only, I guess, rebuttal to why he's, or to the rebrand is like, it just seems too soon in my mind. Like Twitter is still just Twitter. Like it's just, uh, there hasn't been like any drastic changes as far as like additional features outside of what Twitter used to do. Um, other than like, I mean, there's stuff that we talked about in the last podcast, like, revenue sharing and, and now being able to post longer videos and longer tweets and stuff like that. But there's no financial aspects yet. There's no uh, video calling, stuff like that, that they plan to add. And so I think it would have made more sense to, to hold off on the full rebrand until the app is built out a little bit more and it makes more sense. But um, what, what's your opinion, I guess, on the, on the rebrand? Um, I just have two thoughts on it. It seems uh, risky. Twitter at the moment seems to be running really, uh, really great. And I personally really like it. So, um, yeah, it just, it's just kind of like a why fix something that's not broken, um, type of thing to me. And then also, um, a platform where like all of our financials are done. And just like kind of our whole lives are attached to this one thing seems to be kind of vulnerable to some sort of future like dystopic dystopian like government use, but I mean, that's pretty hypothetical. Um, so yeah, I'm just at the moment, it's just neither here nor there uh, for me, really. Um, mm -hmm. That brings up an interesting thought. Like, imagine it was Zuckerberg trying to build the everything app. Like people would be extremely strong against that just because of yeah. Facebook's um, history of using 
or taking user data and uh, censorship and everything like that. So I, it's like, while I, I love the idea of the app, I agree with the concerns of like just having one central location for basically your entire online existence for the most part. But if anyone was to build it, or if there was anyone that I would want to build it, it would be Elon. Um, I think he's kind of done everything. Like that was his whole purpose for acquiring Twitter originally was uh, to end the the censorship, the the data sharing with governments, uh, stuff like that. And so I guess it is interesting that there hasn't been, I haven't seen any like major complaints from people regarding that aspect of like, building an all-in-one app for everything but i feel like if you know if zuckerberg were to do it or google or any of these other companies there probably would be a lot more people up in arms against the idea yeah and that kind of ties into something that i've been thinking about here recently i've, I've been curious as to why i'm so kind of like pro elon comfortable with his big moves that he tends to make uh and I think a lot of it can be tied to a tweet, not a tweet, but, um, he always talks a lot about, about, uh, he always talks a lot about like repopulation and, um, he's always pushing for an increase in the population at a time when most other leaders, um, are advocating for like population, uh, for a population decrease. And so I think that to me shows he's like on a fundamental level, pro-human and, um, that just, yeah, I view that as a very good thing and, and kind of, it shows me where his intentions are. Yeah, I agree. And I'll be really interested to see what kind of structure this is going to be for particularly the financial aspects. Like I think transforming Twitter into like a really solid social platform is one thing and it's kind of. And, and, and like comparing it to what his full plan is, that's kind of the lower hanging fruit of the plan. Like the really, like where a lot of the main value comes into this platform, I think is the financial aspects. Like that could, if successful, be a massive, massive company. Um, and he's even said himself in like, in an interview, I remember that he believes X Corp has the potential of, um, basically controlling like up to i think he's he said like half of the financial um uh, half of the financial industry um so like they'll they would have the feature base that could support up to like you know a very large percentage of our entire financial industry so everything from banking to loans um stock investing and that's something that's very very aspirational obviously but I'm really curious to see what kind of structure this would be because, um, and Elon talks about this a lot too, our banking system right now is just like incredibly, incredibly outdated. It's it's slow. I mean, we're really the only country that still does this. Like if you want to send bank transfers in Europe, for example, um, it's almost instant. Whereas here, if you want to do a wire transfer or like an ACH transfer or something, it takes multiple days, which I is, is mind-blowing to me. Like it's the 21st century and we're still using this extremely antiquated system that kind of is holding our entire financial industry together. Um, so I don't think that like what he's going to be building is going to be built obviously on the same technology that our financial industry is already using. It's going to be something completely different. Um and I hope with that comes like more protection for individual users and their funds. Like there's no way that people can get their funds locked up for certain reasons um, or like they could have the, every transaction that they do tracked. Um, so yeah, it would just be really interesting to see how exactly this is going to look. But yeah, there would again, need but, to be, there would need to be some sort of like long-term plan in place for having those protections there because i think what you see is a lot of institutions like they start out effective and liberties are insured but then as it gets tossed down the line of generations it becomes more um vulnerable to like whatever dystopian totalitarianism stuff and uh 
I think that's the fear with me. It's like, okay, it's it's good now when Elon's here, but what happens 50 years from now when he's gone? And then now you have everything centralized. And uh, that just seems like a pretty easy uh, cherry that can be picked uh, for whatever purposes. Yeah, I agree. And two, Elon, it seems like Elon just has this like desire to go up against every industry that you technically aren't supposed to go up against just because there's so many powers against you like the automotive industry there's over a hundred years of history in that industry and he's just like yeah i'm gonna do this completely new thing this new way of building cars and just completely overtake that um and then also just like the our energy infrastructure going up against big oil basically that's never been a smart decision and now with x he wants to go up against the social media industry and the financial industry at the same time so i'm just <laughs> yeah it's a bit is, worrisome like what is our government's reaction going to be to someone trying to build a new banking system that they presumably aren't going to have control over i don't see that ending well or them having a very positive reaction to that I think part of the reason why we haven't updated our banking industry is just because our government and the banks can have full control over our funds. Yeah. Um, that is interesting. I, um, I wonder how that affected the uh, PayPal because, you know, see so you're talking about this, if he brought this up to the rest of the PayPal, uh, team or whatever back in the day like it's weird they didn't go this route um especially that early i mean yeah. that would have just been i think i don't know it would have secured that company as like the company uh, within the financial institution or the financial realm of our country so so yeah i don't know i wonder if like they got bribed off bribed off by banks or or what happened there yeah i don't or if it was just too early for them to conceptualize what the hell was talking about yeah, I think it was partly just because it was too early, but I don't remember the full in-depth details of the PayPal story, but I just remember from some comments that Elon has made, like the reason that he left PayPal um, and choose to sell his full stake in the company was because the platform was just going in a different direction to what he wanted. Um, and now if you, um, now he'll say like, the PayPal is just like an awful platform and it's like so far off from what he was originally planning on building. Um, and I can attest to that. I've used PayPal for years for accepting payments for like some for business stuff that I would do. And I, the amount of corruption on that website is absurd to me, absurd. And there's not enough people talking about it too. Like can you, the amount yeah, of can times you explain that, a little further? Yeah, like the amount of times that just for so when I use it for my e-commerce businesses, the amount of times that we would have large chunks of money held against our will for them wanting to like ask for whatever kind of verification that they needed to transmit our payments. And then they would just hold it for months on end after submitting everything. Like it doesn't, it just never made any sense as far like we would comply. We were completely compliant with everything gave them all the information that they needed. And there were still times where like I had an account that was just like completely locked. Um, so I couldn't accept new payments, but the money that I had in there was locked for, I think it was like 180 days. Um, and so, and there's no way to get it out either. Um, and I'm not the only one that's had this experience. Like anyone within the e-commerce industry that uses PayPal consistently, like this is widely known that it is just an awful platform. The odds of your money getting locked up are like very high. Um, and so, yeah, I think if Elon knew everything that was going on within PayPal right now, he would, you'd definitely not be too, too pleased with that. But yeah, I think and another thing too, that we can kind of talk about briefly, like, we're disregarding like the decentralization of money. I'm, I'm a bit surprised that there's still very little crypto adoption. Um, and I've, I've come 
to the belief now almost that like maybe there's just like something systemically wrong with what crypto is trying to do like you would think after i mean i don't remember when bitcoin was created but it was over a decade ago you would think that after all of this time that more people would be consistently building on crypto to to build out reliable infrastructure and everything and it would become way more widely adopted than it is but we're still kind of in this weird area area of like crypto just kind of being this like people still think it's scammy you know and so maybe i'm 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 begun to wonder like maybe crypto isn't the solution that we need for a new financial system maybe it's something entirely different that we haven't really like thought of yet um yeah two thoughts on that um hmm. well just one for the moment uh i know personally like the whole uh as a SBF thing, I mean, yeah, that just definitely tainted cryptocurrency for sure. Uh, even in my mind, and I was a big, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say I was like a big believer in it, but like, it seemed like a good idea and I thought it was going to, yeah, you were going to see a steady increase of adoption for sure. Um, but mm -hmm. I think that, that played, uh, a large role in the deterrence we're seeing and, uh, and yeah, I, maybe it's just a lack of understanding of what it is on the, you know, people on like, yeah, just a widespread misunderstanding of what it is. It's it. Cause I guess at first it does seem scammy, like regardless of the SBF stuff, just the concept of it, uh, probably seems weird to people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anyone that I talk to, that's not super familiar with crypto, like they will just immediately assume that it's a scam. It's like fake money. Which, if you understand the technicals behind it, that's not really the case. Like, everything, it, it makes sense from an infrastructure standpoint, in my mind. But what I struggle to see is, I think the biggest thing right now is, like, the user experience of, of crypto is still just awful. Yeah. Like, it's really the only company that, I guess, is providing something that is super easy and simple and makes sense for people is Coinbase. Um outside of that it's like the adoption there's a lot of a lot of hoops and stuff people have to go through it's a big learning curve for um people to adopt crypto yeah especially on the tax end of things i've learned that lesson the hard way like if you buy crypto transfer it good luck <laughs> good luck trying yeah and, and make money off of it that you have to report for tax uh income tax yeah God bless you on your journey there. It's a pain. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I'd say like so something I'm keeping in mind is usually the first iteration of a, of a technology is not the one that receives like mass adoption. And so maybe cryptocurrency and blockchain technology in general, I think maybe it provides like a really strong foundation and idea of what the next like version of our financial system should be but maybe it, we won't explicitly use blockchain like in its current state maybe whatever we're going to build next is much better than than block blockchain technology and will actually be what we use to kind of you know update our financial system yeah um you know i don't know what this would look like but like to me it needs to be something that include some sort of stability um, because you know like a big argument for crypto especially bitcoin is like it's marketed as like a, a secure alternative to fiat currency which like in theory it is but then you look at its trading history and it's just prone to these huge drops and um that's yeah i think it's like probably misunderstanding of what it is. And then also just, or lack of understanding what it is. And then also you just, if you're interested in it at all and see those big swings and like, you're just a normal everyday person who can't afford those drops. Uh, yeah. You're not going to buy it. So. Uh, it, right. So and the, I next, guess too, the next generation of whatever crypto, if it can do such a thing, that would be a huge. Yeah. Thing.
Well, I guess there's there's stable coins that we have that are supposedly like pegged to the dollar, and so they never really go up or down in value. Um, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of scrutiny against stable coins just for the lack of transparency on how they're they're operated. Like, what exactly? Like, are they actually backed one to one to the dollar? Like these companies that are creating stable coins, like, do they actually have what the money that they say that they do. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think, um, it'll, I, I'd be curious to see what's going to happen, especially too, with like kind of bringing, bringing it back to X. Um, like I don't literally everything is tied to our existing financial system. You know, like there's how exactly are you going to completely overturn that? and start something new that is just as easy to adopt that you know is already integrated with our current banking system um like right now the only way to interact with crypto is for you to use your normal dollars to purchase crypto and then you're kind of on the network there but you know how do we kind of transition all of our existing money to this new system that's something that I think is going to take decades and is not, it's going to be like an unanswered question for the time being. But um, yeah, we could, that, we could do a whole podcast on that topic alone. But I, I'm just, I'm really curious to see, you know, how X is going to integrate finance into their system and what people's reaction is going to be to it as well. Like right now, people that use Twitter, no one has asked for, for banking on Twitter, you know, but. Elon has this this grand vision for the app. And so I'm really curious to see what people, if people are actually going to want to use it and actually, you know, not only use Twitter for tweeting and everything, but also video calling, texting, um, uploading videos, sending money, banking, everything. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for it. But I think it's going to take years to, to play out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems that, uh, that way for sure. Um, that we want to use this as this opportunity to segue into uh, the SBF um, issue. Yeah. Um, I was doing some reading on the SBF situation beforehand because some news came out recently that prosecutors had dropped charges against him. And a lot of people were tweeting that he was walking free, which is... After actually diving into it, that's not the case. But yeah, the, this article, the CNBC article here, talks about prosecutors dropping charge, some charges against the FTX uh, co-founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, which if you aren't familiar with the story, I won't go into all of the details of it. Basically, he blatantly committed fraud by using um, customer funds on FTX billions of dollars worth to provide loans to um, himself, to other people, and to his own companies without any discretion to the users uh, at all. So basically using people's money without their permission to to loan to others for whatever reason that it might be, um, billions of dollars. Just blatant fraud. There was no way to like, there was no question about it. He 100% did. And so what I've read about the the news that had just come out was that the federal federal prosecutors are dropping a campaign finance charge against him, which I guess what that means is basically he he had a, a history of donating a lot of money to um, government campaigns and lobby. I think it was it was tens of millions of dollars. I think upwards of like forty or fifty million in total. I I had read um, he was like the second biggest donor to the DNC. Um, yeah. So, and people, people were basically saying that he had, he was doing this to kind of, um, lobby against uh, like the illegal stuff that he was doing that would kind of help him get, uh, they would provide him whatever benefits needed to, to get free of the charges. But, um, so I don't really know exactly the reason why they dropped this, dropped these charges other than just blatant corruption um but basically there, it says go ahead there's the reason that i saw was uh 
they didn't want to step on the Bahamas' uh, toes. Um, yeah. They, yeah. They said, because that's, that's where what the, I saw. Yeah, that's where the fraud occurred. That was, it was their issue to deal with or something. Yeah, which I don't understand all the legality behind that, but um, I guess the main point to take away from this was that, at least that I took away, was a lot of the headlines and stuff are people saying that he's walking 100% scot-free after everything that he did, which does not seem to be the case for me. He's still open to a lot of fraud charges that are basically undeniable. Um, and I think he's um, his court hearings and stuff are later this year, but that charge that they just dropped alone, the uh, campaign finance charges, that supposedly would have added up to like another 12 years to his sentence. So that's like a pretty big charge that they're dropping. And I don't know why exactly they needed to, to drop the charges for to not interfere with the Bahamas. But um, if it is some sort of corruption because of the donations that he's made, then it's just kind of completely blatant in your face corruption that they are not trying to hide whatsoever. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, this is interesting. I feel like this is one of those topics lately that I've been seeing on Twitter where um there's like definitely a possibility that there's corruption. But because of like lack of time and resource on my part, resources on my part, I I like I can't figure out if it's actually there or not um and so while I, like i'm just torn on it um like it just it definitely seems fishy but it just it could not be um right because i think they wanted to um they wanted to extradite him from the bahamas it seems and the issue that the Bahamas had was they wanted him, they wanted the U.S. to drop the charges, or they wanted the federal prosecutors to drop the charges regarding the um, unlawful campaign contributions in order to for them to extradite him. And so I don't know if there's actually, like, a logical reason for them wanting to do that, but regardless, if he did actually make all these unlawful campaign donations, which he clearly did why does that need to be dropped like that's and especially if it's going to add that much time to his sentence on top of all the other fraud charges that he has like i just i don't understand it so i think it to me it seems i lean more towards the corruption side than there being like an actual logical yeah. explanation for this yeah i i think with the context of just the time we're we're in right now it um yeah seems like a safe bet mm -hmm. um i guess tying into that corruption there was recently uh or yesterday actually um a twitter thread that was released by um jim jordan who is a government representative and calling it the facebook files which is basically blatant proof that facebook censored um, a bunch of stuff on their platform because of the Biden administration. Um, I know you said you kind of read through this thread about what had happened, so you kind of want to go over it oh, real quick. Yeah, basically, basically what it is is there. There were just some internal emails from. I guess he's a higher up exec within Facebook. Um, I mean, clearly he's probably he's important because he's getting emails directly from the Biden administration. But yeah, basically just. Um, Biden was asking for censorship on some COVID-related issues, some COVID-related posts, and um, um, yeah, and, the, and then Facebook implied. Um, I was surprised. There seemed to be more internal struggle within Facebook of whether or not to comply than I would have suspected. Um, I thought they would have, mm -hmm. like, I mean, I partly believe they just would have done it on their <laughs> on. Uh, on their own anyway but yeah there there seem to be some like real questions from employees within the the company but regardless they they still censored it up. and so so yeah it's just it's uh it's another yeah just another huge issue of of uh 
our free speech getting uh, taken away from us. So, mm-hmm. and I thought uh, I, it's just crazy to see that like there's all there's always been conspiracy about these social platforms, you know, censoring stuff and uh, interacting with our government to kind of decide what should be posted and what shouldn't be allowed to stay on the platform. Um, but within the past, you know six to eight months basically basically ever since elon bought twitter now all of this stuff is 100 percent proven and put into the spotlight um and it really just makes you question like what else you know is going on that we don't really know about with these platforms um and it's even scarier to me that there's no there hasn't been anyone that's like punished for the the like these actions i don't know if they're i would assume like this is illegal right like un, unconstitutional but with with all the twitter exposure nothing really ever came from that and now facebook too so it's like where do we go from here if like all this stuff is being put under the spotlight but nothing is really happening yeah yeah um i don't know i don't know why that is i really don't even know what's supposed to happen but imagine this is an issue that congress would need to pursue oh hmm yeah i I don't know like the legal precedent for for who does Hmm. what i don't think anything like this has ever been exposed so um but certainly there should be more going on than what there is yeah What's that saying? Sunlight is the best medicine or whatever. So I guess that's kind of the situation here. Like really all we can do is just make as many people known about it or make as many people aware of it as possible. So that way it's more people discussing on what should be done. And I would imagine this won't be like, this is probably just the first of many that we're going to see regarding the Facebook files. I mean, yeah, even in the tweet, he says part one. So there's going to be a lot more that's going to come out. Um, and I guess like, I don't know, it makes me wonder, like, has this happened with previous administrations too? Because I think all we've seen so far from Facebook and Twitter was like, it was just the Biden administration that we've seen actual evidence from. But I'm really curious, like, has the, how long has this been going on? And we just haven't really known. Yeah, I think that's certainly a fair question. Um, yeah, I, man, I don't know. I did see an interesting snippet of Mark Zuckerberg talking about this issue. Um, his position was, he was just kind of playing the role of like, I just was doing like the best I could. I was just doing what I think, what I thought was like ultimately the best decision in terms of whether or not to censor people and like abide uh and like uh follow the uh, request from uh from the Biden administration um you know I don't, like I don't lot of I don't really have a lot of experience listening to Zuckerberg I think typically like I would think of him as somebody that's disingenuous and probably a little like elite but he he seemed genuine when he was saying these things but i just i mean i don't know if it it's either yeah it's either he's lying or he just has a fundamental different a fundamentally different view of the importance of free speech than i do which either way i i'm not a fan of what he's saying but uh but i did think that was interesting uh, yeah that's the vibe that i get from zuckerberg as well i don't think he's blatantly lying or trying to manipulate the public on his i guess stance on free speech and the way he operates his companies i think he probably genuinely does believe that he was doing the best thing in that situation i mean when you run a company at that scale and you have the presidential administration reaching out to you directly saying you that they want certain actions taken on your website like me in that position i don't know how i would respond either like with everything all the noise that's going on uh regarding 
COVID specifically, like we don't, no one knew what's right and what's wrong. And so I don't, I think just you know, kind of viewing it from like a human perspective, like I, I, I can't say that, you know, I think he was acting in like a maniacal way, but yeah, like you said, maybe he just has very different fundamental views on free speech than uh, what we do. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, uh, even though he may not have had evil intentions, um, it, so, okay. So if that's true, like, okay. So like, I don't, you know, I don't have like any ill intentions towards the guy, if that's the case. But that being said, it's like, it's clear to me that due to his position and due to his, um, mistakes made in, in that scenario, like it's clear to me, he does not need to be in the position that he's in. So, uh, I guess that's my final take at the, at the moment on it. Yeah. I... It's kind of like, I have the same feelings towards Jack Dorsey. Like you hear him talk and I mean, and I've heard Jack speak less than I have Zuckerberg, but like based on his friendship with Lex and Elon, like he can't really, like, obviously there's something decent about the guy. And so it's like, okay. So it's like, yeah, maybe he's not evil, but he still doesn't need to be where he, or where he was. Yeah. I've heard less from Jack Dorsey as well compared to Zuckerberg, but what I do remember was he made some comments, like he's been relatively transparent regarding all the stuff that happened with the Twitter files. And some of the comments that he made were basically him saying that a lot of the stuff that happened with Twitter and the mismanagement and the censorship was a bit out of his control. Um, and sorry if there's background, background noise, by the way, they're doing yard work outside, but, um, yeah, basically the company had just gotten so big and so bureaucratized that he didn't really have the control that he needed to prevent these things from happening, which is understandable to an extent. Um, but like you said, if this stuff is happening and you're the CEO of the company, it's your company, like maybe you should just not be in that position. Um, Yeah. There, there's kind of two core issues there. It's like, Hey, you know, this is America. Free speech is like the hill to die on. You know, if there's anything you're going to, um, take a stand for, it's going to be free speech and, um, oh gosh, take it. Second point left my mind. Oh, the, um, okay. It's Jocko Willink's extreme ownership idea. You know, it doesn't matter why you couldn't get done what needed to be done as the leader of a company. The bottom line is you're the leader. So whatever failings there were, it's, it's on you. Exactly. Yeah. That's like you, you can make as many excuses as you want, but yeah, at the end of the day, it is your job to, to do that. And so. I guess in a way, Zuckerberg is kind of admitting indirectly that, you know, maybe he's not fit to run this company in a way that, you know, it should be ran regarding free speech. Um, and yeah, it's, and the th- other thing with it too, is like, it's really hard to, um, I feel like the, 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 the laws regarding censorship and stuff with social media are kind of blurred like it's not very explicit regarding you know should a government be able to take down certain things uh i guess that it is explicit like you should really just be a like elon he calls himself a free speech absolutist meaning like take it to the actual extreme like basically anything that is legal should be allowed to be said on the platform um but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it seems like a really weird gray area with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we need to define what a social media platform is. I think that's the issue. Like, is it a private company? Um, or is it the public square? Uh, and I think that would help us figure out the role of censorship. I mean, obviously, I think regardless of what it is, it should be their free speech should be allowed no matter what. But but that would be a helpful decision to make. Um, uh, but either uh, way, you know, uh, if there is an administration, like let's say it is determined to be uh, like a private company, uh, 
okay, so it receives pressure from an administration to censor things. Um, you know, that just doesn't sit well with me anyway. Yeah. Uh, unless they're right, you know, like, let's say they were right about COVID. Then yeah, sure. It's, it's fair to have that campaign to like cut out the, the wrong information, but I would assume in most circumstances, if a if a, an, an administration is trying to silence a group of people, it's probably for their benefit and not the people's. So. Yeah. But even if this information was blatantly wrong, it's not illegal to say things that are wrong, you know? So that's another aspect of it as well. Like who is the, who, cause if you try to explicitly say what's right and wrong, then that means somebody has to be the arbiter of truth basically. And who that should be is a completely other question. So personally, I kind of agree with Elon's stance of should just be, be a free speech absolutist and let the people decide for themselves on what's right and what's wrong, regardless of who's posting the information and what's, and what's being said, because otherwise you're giving the power of truth to, to somebody else entirely. Yeah, that's a great point. For sure. Yeah. It, there should be like, no, yeah, you're right. There should be no silencing efforts whatsoever. It should be okay. Like, let's say, you know, in this instance of COVID, the government's right and everybody who's and everybody else is wrong. Like, okay. So the appropriate response is from the government, like, okay, here's what the counter arguments towards us are and here's why they're wrong. And then that's, that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you familiar with Twitter's, uh, community notes feature? Kind of. So basically community notes is a way for anyone that signs up for it can contribute to, to community notes. And so basically let's say for example, somebody posts a tweet that includes whatever information about it. Um, like for sake of example, maybe it's like COVID statistics or something. Um, anyone that's a part of the community notes platform can fact check that tweet. And basically the fact checking is done it's, it's community sourced. So people can suggest, um, I guess like suggest additional information that could be added to this tweet or to make it either like to basically fact check it. Um, and then people can, anyone that's a part of the community notes, um, program can vote on these different, um, suggestions that should be made. And so I don't know, it's not exactly that simple. I'm probably you know, wrong about some of the details, but I know they've basically created some sort of fully open source algorithm, by the way, that, um, they've created some sort of op al algorithm that anyone can kind of suggest improvements to a tweet and then people can vote on it. And if it reaches a certain threshold, then like if people, enough people collectively vote, like, okay, this is the, the true statistic, then it will add a note to that tweet saying, you know, this, this tweet is wrong and the actual statistic is blah, blah, blah. And so it basically, basically provides a way for the people, the community to decide, um, or to contribute in a way that helps information be more accurate. And I'm sure there's probably like some level of, uh, manipulation that could be done with that, but I think it's at least a step in the right direction, um, and allows for like a more. Um, I don't know the word that I'm trying to think of here, but it, it just allows for more accurate information to be posted because you know that if you, if you're, if you're sending out a tweet that includes some, some statistics, there's going to be tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that are going to be fact checking you. So you better make sure that you have it right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Especially in, uh, from the context of like, I feel like it's hard to get just accurate statistics um not so much because of like manipulation there's just i don't know there's just there's a lot of ways to like collect data and so you, you don't know if the data you're getting uh is even accurate and uh, and so no i think i think the more the more input i can receive um question ever but like 
demand statistics the better for sure. Yeah. And I would be really, it'd be really cool if this community, community notes feature gets a lot more traction among the users and then we kind of see similar things be adopted across other platforms. Um, I would say that's a bit more unlikely just because we know the history of censorship with Facebook and uh, YouTube even as well. But I guess that's a, just another advantage for Twitter becoming the most popular and widely used social platform is that it's just the best place to get accurate information and you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about censorship there's just you know that what you're everything that you're reading on there has the potential to be fact-checked by by other people and so it just kind of i guess it'd be the most reliable place to go for for interaction and communication with others yeah at least it'll be like okay so maybe like it won't like maybe it won't necessarily be the most accurate place. I mean, it most likely will, but like, let's say it's not, at least it'll be the most like genuine place. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, let's see what other topics that we had here. I think the last one really is, uh, I guess we could talk about aliens to wrap things up. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, there's apparently like a, a whistleblower that has been testifying in Congress regarding um, evidence of UFOs and aliens that the government is like keeping from the public, basically. And I think their goal with this is they would like for the public to be made aware of what the, the information that the government has regarding aliens. And so if you've been on Twitter within the past couple of days, you'd, I'm sure you've seen lots of tweets regarding basically people saying there's undeniable proof of aliens and there's people testifying in Congress that aliens do exist and the government knows. Um, I've done a bit, a little bit of research. I'm not like super familiar with all of the details that were um, discussed on this, but um to me, it still seems a bit sketchy. Like there's nothing, there was no explicit proof that was given by this whistleblower. He basically has just said that there are other people that have seen direct remnants of non-human uh, biologicals is what they're calling it. So basically pieces of like a, pieces of an alien from like a crash site. Um, so the, there's just non-human uh, life forms and so he did he didn't say who these people were and then when asked regard like on more details about the situation he just said there's certain things that you can't talk about in a public setting and so it just seems very fishy to me i don't know why there can't just be transparency on all this all on all of this stuff and like why bring a whistleblower into congress if he's not actually disclosing any explicit proof so i mean it just seems very weird to me. Have you have you done much looking into it or? No, uh, just because I just from the brief um, bit that I have, uh, yeah, I just see that it's pretty inconclusive, and still there's just like even like the legitimacy of the claims are still up for debate and stuff. So um, I'll let it get sorted out a little bit more, and then I'll jump in. Um, I did see a interesting tweet like. People are asking, like, why right now is it getting brought up? Kind of bringing in the, like, a um, some sort of, like, conspiracy theory aspect to it. Like, it's kind of just meant to distract us from other issues. Um, Yeah, that could be going on, I guess. Um, So, I don't know. I haven't just been paying too much attention to it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is, like, Assuming that aliens do exist and they have the capability of traveling billions of miles across space to reach Earth. If they have that technology, how are they just going to crash on Earth? You know, like that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And That's then, yeah. And also like all the, all the, like if they, all the UFO sightings and stuff. I mean, it's, they're notorious for just being like awful camera quality. There's never been like actually good shots of it. Um, yeah. 
And I just think like if if they do have this technology, if they wanted to be seen, then they would be seen. It's not like we're just like catching an alien off guard. Like there's just there's simply no way that if they had the capability of of traveling this far, that they would just blatantly or accidentally get get spotted by some people or like happen to crash. Like I just it doesn't make any sense in my head at all. Yeah. Yeah. It uh no, those are all good points. And like the other thought I have is why would they like how could their interactions with humans be solely contained to our government? Which like seems to be the case. You know, if they're just kind of like randomly coming in and out of Earth, coming to and from Earth, like you think like you think other people outside the government would have stuff to say. Yeah. 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 I I saw this really interesting image uh, yesterday. It was a heat map of the globe for reported UFO sightings. And the U.S. was just absolutely lit up because that's where all the reports are coming from. And then every other country across the entire globe, there was like tiny little lights on all of them. So it's like everything is just coming from the U.S. So what does that say about about us? Like, are we just, or is it just like lots of crazy and conspiratorial people in our country? Or like, why would the aliens only come to the U.S. as opposed to everywhere else in the world? Like, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me at all. No. So I think, I mean, personally, if I had to guess, like aliens probably do exist, but as far as actually seeing any evidence or like fully conclusive evidence, we're still far off from that. Um, I've yet to see anything that's actually very reliable on that aspect. And so I'm still kind of back to the, I'm, I'm now more skeptical, skeptical of claims than anything. It's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. I guess the boy who cried alien, like there's just been so many people that have said that they've seen things and they, they can never actually back it up. So I just, Anytime I see something regarding aliens now, I pretty much just automatically dismiss it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And I think I'll probably be in that boat boat for a while. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's about everything. Was there any other topics you wanted to go over before we wrap things up? No. I think we uh, pretty much covered them all. All right, cool. Um, So yeah, that was episode 11. Thanks everybody for watching and we'll be back next week.